Hi, I'm Evan Bailey, Associate Professor of Advertising in the School of Media and Journalism at Kent State, and this is Around the Sphere. Welcome to Around the Sphere, the podcast of the School of Media and Journalism at Kent State University, produced and recorded by MDJ's students, faculty, and staff, just for you. Hi everyone, my name is Kayla Plansky and I'm a junior public relations major here at Kent State and I'm also VP of Professional Relations for PRSSA Kent. So I want to come on here just to talk a little bit about our programming that our chapter has done this semester thus far and then what's to come in the future. So we've had different speakers this semester from all over the board. We've had Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, we've had Destination Cleveland, we've had Stark Community Foundation, we've had Cleveland Clinic, we've had Keep Bank and a bunch of others. So we've had great, great, great programming this semester, just a variety of speakers to come in to talk to our members. We just finished up our international conference, ICON 2021, which unfortunately was virtual this year, but it's okay. And we got to hear from different keynote speakers about their professional careers in the world of public relations. So that was a great opportunity for us as well. November 1st, we have our diversity in the workplace meeting coming up where we get to hear from a variety of different speakers to talk about promoting diversity in the workplace and how you can promote diversity in the workplace in your future career. November 5th, we have our YouTube Digital Strategy Conference where we collaborate with Akron Area PRSA chapter um, to learn from digital thought leaders and influencers about strategy trends and best practices. And then on November 11th, we have a meeting that I'm very, very excited for, which is our PR Ashen for Fashion meeting. We're joined by Stephanie Smith, a New York City press consultant, to learn about the world of fashion public relations and the Big Apple. So this is going to be a fantastic meeting that I'm very, very excited for and especially for our fashion majors. To learn more about all of our meetings, as well as you two, go ahead and visit prssakent.com, as well as visit all of our socials at prssakent if you would like any more information about our meetings, our speakers, or you two. You can also go to u2sm.com to learn more about that digital strategy conference. All of our PRSSA meetings will be held at 7 p.m. on Mondays in Franklin Hall, room 340. If you have any questions or concerns, feel free to reach out to me at kpolans2 at kent.edu, and I look forward to hearing from all of you. Scott Hallgren, professor of digital media production here at MDJ, lived many lives before landing at MDJ, including working jobs from being a touring and studio musician for artists like Sir Elton John to working as a boom operator and composer on Emmy-nominated documentaries. He sat down to talk about his past and how he got to Kent State with senior DMP student Addie Burks. You started out not specifically in sound editing, more as kind of a musician composer. Can you tell us a little bit about the start of your career and how that started to shift more into the film industry? Absolutely. Uh, I got lucky enough to have landed my first professional job working in a theme park as a musician there, which uh, imparts a certain amount of humility. And then after that, I went uh, I finished school very much wanting to learn jazz piano, uh, which is a, a, a really good move on my part because it allows me to play lots of different kinds of styles. And I moved to Nashville and toured for over a dozen years, and I landed with some name acts, and I got to go to four continents and, and perform in some great big venues and whatnot. But it became apparent that the music industry was changing. And it wasn't just what I was hearing from people that had been in it for a long time. I was seeing things change. And I had a family to think about. And I started thinking about what are other things I might be interested in. 
And I had done a little work in the studio for commercial things. And I thought, what if I was writing those and producing those? So commercials and TV stuff, a little bit of TV stuff, short film stuff. And I thought I had arrived when I did some work for the documentary channel and they loved it. I did a few more things for them and I sort of became their house composer. Unfortunately, the company basically had a hostile takeover and got bought out and sold to um, Freeform Media about a year and a half into that tenure. Right after that, my second biggest client, Scholastic, the production company I was working with, lost them as a client and the recession hit. And it was just like everything that could possibly have gone wrong at once went wrong. And I had a friend named Mike, he's a director, and he said, dude, I, I need your help. I'm teaching at this film school and I don't have anybody to teach sound. And I said, Mike, you're crazy. I don't know anything about sound, man. I'm a composer and producer. He goes, you know more than I do and I'll give you 500 bucks for the week. Thus began my teaching career and I found out two things. One was sound is a desperate teaching need in media. And number two, I actually enjoyed it. And I've been lucky enough to come sort of up the ranks as an adjunct. And the last school I worked at before I came to Kent, I worked with people that have been in the industry for 30 years and could help me with my thinking about my place in the process and what students needed and whatnot. And ultimately ended up applying for a number of jobs after I went to grad school for a year in 2014, 2015. And I got a degree in film and game scoring there but uh, I realized that there's a difference between a job and the things that you love sometimes. And I love both of these things. And Kent offered me a job in, in sound, which is, you know, a sort of a, was sort of a surprise, but at the same time, I was, I was happy to take it because it was definitely the best offer I got. And I'm excited about the potential and excited about what I'm seeing from students. How do you think having that musical ear as a foundation has affected the work that you do as sound editor and how you think about sound in general. A friend of mine once said sort of offhand when they found out I was teaching sound and didn't know it, they said, well, that, that kind of makes sense because after all, music is kind of highly organized sound, right? And I was like, you're kind of brilliant. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I'm glad I got to come at it from music, learning music first, going into sound, then sound going into music because I think the, uh, the other way would have been a lot harder. Because I've played piano since I was five or six, and I think that that has had quite a profound impact. At, at the end of the day, the two have more places that they overlap than not. And I think with the changes that we've seen, not just in sound work and film and television and games, but also in, in scoring and the music that goes where they're manipulating sound to make it musical. And it sort of almost harkens back to the days in early scoring when you didn't have sound effects, we used musical instruments to represent yeah. sound effects. Yeah. So it's it's uh, it kind of like most other things in life is kind of cyclical and it's mm -hmm. interesting to see. I'm so glad that you ended up at Kent. I know that post-production sound and sound for picture have pretty much been my one too as far as the classes I've taken. I Never expected Thanks. to like sound as much as I did. I actually didn't really even consider it a possibility until I took one of your classes and I was like, oh, whoa, now I need to actually think about what I want to do because this is cool. I think it's super interesting. The intelligence of film audiences now, sound is so important. I think more important than it's ever been. 
you can tolerate bad picture. We've talked about this before. You can tolerate bad picture, but audiences won't tolerate bad sound. And so how important is it then that we, we need to place a big emphasis on sound classes and sound education for upcoming film students? Oh, I think it's absolutely at least a third of the education uh, that we should be providing. And been grateful that everyone here has been very open-minded about it because there's, it's, it's such a deep subject. You know, we can encompass many things. We can talk about television. We can talk about radio. We can talk about old radio plays and all kinds of other things that are sort of the forebears of what we're doing now. But I think everybody at this point probably has access to decent sound, a, a good, at least a, a good flat screen television. And you've been in a theater that has surround sound because that's really been kind of an industry standard now for more than two decades. And I think you begin to, when you really have to think about it, appreciate what sound does to help you with the storytelling process. And, and that's, that's the most important thing. I don't want to ever be you know, making sound as though it's got to be the most important thing. It's not. Telling the story is the most important thing. And how sound helps do that is the most important part of the conversation there. I yeah, think. I think it can really elevate. There's there's so much that can so much that can be added in the sound design and even the mix to really elevate a good story to a great story. Tell me a little bit about what you do as a Dolby developer. I have gotten sort of some extra special access with Dolby to a number of sounds, a number of projects within Pro Tools and, and some plugins that will enable me to work in sort of ambisonic sound or Atmos sound, which is Dolby's trademark, where the sound, instead of having a couple of speakers in front of you, it's more about having a hemisphere of sound around you. And Atmos is essentially 63 discrete channels overhead, around you, and below you that allow you to put the sound in any environment. So instead of thinking about, is this sound on the left or the right, you start thinking about, is this sound, how high is this sound, and how far to the left is it? Or how low is the sound in terms of where it's coming from, and how far to the right is it, or how far overhead is it? So thinking of sound as a, as a spatial thing, rather than just having a couple of speakers in front of you overlap. I'm looking forward to the delivery of some speakers I got with a grant uh, that are gonna enable us to go at least three, maybe four rooms uh, in at least quad sound, if not Dolby 5.1 surround, uh, or Dolby 5.1.2 surround that uh, lawnmower going by right now is, is, uh, is <laughs> kind of the idea of Dolby Atmos. So, um, But the idea of being able to have some surround-enabled rooms in Franklin is fantastic, and it'll be, uh, I think, really helpful for students to be able to get in their mind more than just the concept of me talking about it, be able to use that kind of thing, maybe in their own storytelling. And perhaps the more interesting part about all of that is Franklin serves as sort of the launch pad, if you will. If I can get four rooms enabled and students can be working in those rooms, we now have a 9.1.4 setup being installed at the Design Innovation Hub, the hill in the old art building. And that's nine speakers around, three in the front, two on the side, two in the back, and two in the very back, uh, and a subwoofer on the ground, and then four speakers overhead. So to be lovely for students to be able to do work using a Dolby Atmos plugin here in Franklin in 5.1, 
and then take it maybe over to the DI hub and move those sounds around even more in this hemisphere that we're trying to create of sound itself. We've talked about before in class how it really does feel like specifically with sound, we're on a new precipice for what can become of this Dolby Atmos technology and object-based sound and just how that's going to change the experience for the viewer being completely, like what it really means to have an immersive experience in mm. film. Yeah, and, and you know now that you can go to any Sam's or BJ's or Costco and find them selling you know Dolby Atmos enabled sound bars with surround speakers and a subwoofer, this is, this is an experience that's, the price of it is coming down massively. You know, movie theaters are going to be upgrading because they want to continue to give you a reason to come to the theater. Being able to be totally bathed in sound in a movie theater is is a concept that, you know, if you're a cinephile, that's the kind of thing you you, uh, you want yeah. to check out. You want to be in that world. At the end of the day, we're looking at a, a flat 2D screen that's got an image or, or images projected on it. The sound is what really helps fill out the room and give it this sense of space and and time. So yeah, that's, it's, a, it's an exciting place to be and uh, I'm looking forward to taking those next steps. We got a new uh, digital mixing board, a Roland digital mixing board in the television studio, which is oh, awesome really? because all the channels are assignable. And uh, that's cool. They've already set it up for everybody, but it has just massive amounts of flexibility to it, which is great. We've gotten recently new gear in the SRL that now enables us to have five timecode-capable recorders going out of the SRL at the same time. So projects can use timecode slates and, and have extremely high-quality audio and be getting those, those projects edited together faster because you can use a timecode slate for all of that. So that's great. The sound design and spatial mixing class that we're offering is a special topics class in the spring. Again, little bleeding edge. First third of that is going to sort of be a refresher. Plus, we're going to be actually making sounds with plugins and maybe having people do their own recordings as well. And then the middle of it's going to be a, a part where we design sound for a scene. And I think I've decided on a scene already. It's a pretty iconic one. It'll be interesting. But, um, <laughs> Stay tuned. Yeah, exactly. And then the end of it will be trying to get a mix of what you're working on in a surround environment. And even if that's just a 4.1 with two speakers in the front, two in the back and a subwoofer, all the way up to trying to build something over in the uh, DI hub, that's that's gonna be kind of the goal is to to really get as immersive as we can with the, with the sound for picture and kind of, and, and see where it goes from there. Hey everyone, it's Kimmy Daniels here. And Luke Armour. What you know as the School of Media and Journalism used to be called the School of Journalism and Mass Communication. We made the name change official in July of 2020 after two of MDJ's own faculty got to brainstorming and researching a possible name change. The name hadn't changed since the 80s, and faculty got the sense that mass communication sounded, well, a little dated. Well, not only that, but the name excluded three other majors within the school. We wanted to make sure that each student felt they belonged and saw their work reflected in the name. So two faculty members set forth on research that engaged students, faculty, staff, alumni, and even high school journalism teachers to make sure that everyone felt represented by a new name. The word media came up time and time again within the research as a term that matched our school's mission. So in the spring of 2020, the faculty voted to adopt the name School of Media and Journalism. And in June, the Board of Trustees approved the name change, and in July, it was official. 
you know, but still, there's really nothing wrong with the term mass communication. You know, in fact, the textbook mass communication theories, no, it was... Ex- no, it's over. Fine. Well, that wraps up this episode. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for more episodes coming soon. All right, we'll see everybody. Bye. You've been listening to Around the Sphere. Please send us your thoughts, comments, and feedback at mdjpodcast at kent.edu. Music for this podcast was written and produced by Assistant Professor Scott Hallgren. This episode was produced by Nicholas Underwood, Digital Media Production Major. And our podcast project manager is Kimmy Daniels, Public Relations Major. This podcast was advised by Associate Professor Luke Armour. Special thanks to all the students, faculty, and staff who made this episode possible, and a very special thanks to you for listening. We'll see and hear you around the sphere. We're hilarious. We are.